Welcome to the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council Radio Show. My name's Cobb. I'm in the studio, and I am joined via Zoom with the director of the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council, our host, Scott Craddy. Welcome, Scott. Good morning, and yeah, thanks for the intro. Let me get back to the right space here. We should be being joined momentarily by our uh, guest today, um, Amy Bach, Executive Director of UP of United Policyholders. And there, there is Amy coming in right now. Awesome. Uh, so we'll be ready to roll in just a sec. Um, just as a, a quick intro, um, so to be prepared, you want to do everything you need to do to get your home ready. So you want to do your home hardening. You want to do your defensible space clearing. And when you do those things, you will you will do yourself an immense favor in terms of increasing the survivability of your home. But you also want to know that your home is reasonably insured because wildfires are unpredictable. Uh, and the uh, uh, the authority that I go to for advice on that uh, is United Policyholders. Uh, their website, which we'll talk about briefly, is an awesome wealth of information on all aspects of the topic. And we are fortunate to have with us Amy Bach, Executive Director of United Policyholders this morning. Uh, good morning, Amy. Can you give us a little, little intro to United Policyholders? Sure. Good morning, and thanks so much for having me on, and I'm so glad that you exist. Um, the information you're getting out there, obviously, in your region is critically important. So, yeah, United Policyholders is a 501c3, so we're a nonprofit, and we were founded in uh, 1991 uh, out of a, the shared um, conviction between myself and the co other co-founder uh, that people who buy insurance needed um, an, an organization, a place to go, a safe place to go to get information about insurance um, where people wouldn't be trying to sell them something uh, because we, I, know I as a, as a longtime consumer advocate and an attorney had recognized early in my career that with insurance being mandatory for a lot of things, you know, you have to buy it to drive, you have to buy it to get a loan, um, <clears throat> that, um, that insurers have a lot of power and control in the marketplace and that that needs to be kept in balance because um, the reason, obviously, the people are willing to pay for insurance, not just to be complying with laws, but to protect their assets and to um, and so that if something goes wrong, to, <clears throat> to, to protect their quality of life and have a safety net. And, you know, because of the... Um, the fact that insurance companies are for profit, they're not government entities, they're not charities, um, you need a healthy balance, right? You need a balance between um, the consumer and the and the provider. And there wasn't one, we felt. So um, I got together with a woman who'd been adjusting claims for um, State Farm for her whole career. She had come out of the Loma Prieta earthquake, um, very, very frustrated that she felt that <clears throat> the company was not... Um, training their adjusters properly and they were missing serious structural damage and they were telling people oh you will just slap a coat of paint it's just cosmetic um but we don't owe you any money because of the deductible so she was very she had she was determined to fix that problem and i was determined to fix the problem of insurers having um basically writing their own ticket in legislatures and and just kind of always being the deciders so we brought UP into the world right when the Oakland fire hit. And so that kind of became, uh, you know, helping people recover from wildfires became 
are a, a primary focus of the organization. So fast forward to today, um, <clears throat> we're spending a lot of time uh, working with fire safe councils and firewise community people and public officials and firefighters and 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 thinkers and researchers trying to um, restore uh, the uh, some stability to the home insurance market in areas like yours, where insurers have raised rates, panicked, dropped people. Somewhat understandably, um, we did have uh, four years in a row of horrifying devastation. Um, <clears throat> but we're trying to kind of moderate their response, bring them back, but also get them to partner with and not just punish their customers. Um, and so we are working very hard right now uh, to establish what I think everybody acknowledges has to happen, which is a a set of standards um, that are that, that everyone agrees to that if you do A, B, C, D, E, um, your home will be less likely to burn, and that should get you a reward of some kind, either that you get to keep your insurance or your insurance will be more affordable for you. So we're working toward that through a, uh, <clears throat> something that we call RAP, which stands for uh, WRAP, Wildfire uh, Risk Reduction and Asset Protection. Um, and we've got a wonderful coalition going. Uh, and we've been meeting um, on a regular basis and hearing from all different experts. And we're just trying to get um, get uh, us the, to where uh, the insurance industry will accept the premise that there are things you can do to prevent a house from burning. Because believe it or not, um, you know, the main lobbyists for insurance companies in Sacramento um, have been saying for years, and they continue to say uh, the same thing, which is um, that if you can do everything you want to your house, but if your neighbor doesn't do anything, your house is still going to burn, and therefore uh, we don't want to reward we we and we don't want to reward people because we're not convinced yet, and they're way behind, right? The insurance lobbyists are behind. The rest of us are like, well, that's we know that's not true. We know that. Well, we certainly know that community fire risk reduction is the most important. And then, of course, individual is is very important, too. Um, and so we're just trying to get uh, California to a place where uh, hurricane prone states got many years ago, which is we need a mitigation program. We need standards in place. We need uh, financial assistance for people to harden their homes we need um, resources to help people clear defensible space if they can't afford to or physically do it themselves. Um, and there needs to be um, incentives, insurance incentives and insurance rewards for the whole system to work. And, and we can get there. You know, I mean, if a, if, a, if a red state like South Carolina, you know, can, can require insurance companies to offer discounts to people who fortify their homes against hurricanes, you know that California can do the same thing. So that's that's where we are. That's great. Thank you. Um, that sounds like critically important work. So before we sort of jump to what people can do to check their policies and uh, what happens if they're if some advice if they're canceled, which I hope to get to in the in the bit of time we have, um, what if people want to help that effort that's going on now? What what's the best thing they can do to support that? Well, <clears throat> well, certainly. Um, thank you for acknowledging our website. You know, we work very hard um, to make it useful. And I would say, you know, visit our website, um, uphelp.org, uh, UP, like the opposite of down, help, help, 
Upwork.org, uphelp.org. Um, and, you know, if you if you do get, for example, a non-renewal notice from your insurance company or you're struggling with a, with a premium that is doubled or tripled or worse, um, we, you can watch one of our shopping help webinars. You know, I did, I recorded a couple of them, um, one earlier this year, one last year where I got um, some insurance uh, uh, brokers that, that really know what's going on in the market and I grilled them, you know, um, on camera. Uh, and so we we have some really nice little tips for people. So I'd say, um, be you know, uh, we say to people, you know, don't panic, um, but but don't try to hide, right? Because um, you know the way the law is now, your insurance company is free to drop you when your policy comes up for renewal, as long as they give you seventy five days notice. Um, and you can't force them to keep you as a customer. That comes as a shock to a lot of people. Um, and, and and so, you know, we're just deal with what is, right? You, you know, if you want, you know, you live in a, you live in a place um, that's beautiful, but that um, we now know to be a little more risky than we thought in the past or, um, and it's just reality and you can't really change that reality. You know, so all you can do is adapt right? Which is why we talk about fire adaptive communities. But yeah, I would recommend people go to our website. You know, we're a 501c3. Certainly we exist on donations, but we also um, exist on on volunteers. So if you are active in your community um, in in, uh, helping your neighbors or helping yourself um, keep uh, keep a a homestead that is um, that's trimmed up and 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 um, and as reasonably fire safe as you can, you know, you're doing your part. Um, but it definitely, uh, as, as the, as the years go by and we keep doing this work, it's just clear as day <laughs> that, um, we've got to do this as communities. We've got to do it together. And right. Love, right. So. Cool. Thank you. Um, so, Getting to some of the prep, I, I think one of the great points I've heard you made before is that you know you you need to do it now because if something does happen, you're not in the the right psychological space to do the prep work then and to deal with the insurance things then. So you want to start working through this stuff now. Um, one of the things I saw on your website uh, is that you know, uh, as probably surprised to most people, but maybe not, is that the vast majority of people that do have an, an incident discover that they are underinsured uh, after the fact. So, uh, you know, one of the important things to do is to step back and take some steps to make sure if you're lucky enough to have a policy that you can afford, uh, that it's something that's really going to cover your full replacement. Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about how to approach that? Yes. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, we, you know, before the, the current kind of somewhat of a crisis in um, availability and affordability of home insurance in, in rural areas in California, uh, we spent much of our time um, uh, on the preparedness side, t- uh, trying to help people uh, grasp that concept that you were just talking about that, um, you're probably underinsured because two thirds of the people that come to us after wildfires um, are underinsured, and we're talking not like you know ten thousand bucks, but like hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, for some people, um, and there's lots of reasons for it, and we don't really, I don't think it's it's going to be worth our time to talk about why that is. But the most important thing is to like, okay, so what do you do about it? Um, and so I think one of the, the the most concrete 
pieces of advice I can give your your listeners um, is uh, is to to figure out or get find whatever document is available to you that tells you approximately how many square feet of living space you have. So you know if you have a, let's say you have a, a thousand square foot home, um, and then find your insurance policy. It's always good to know where your insurance policy is, um, particularly these days. Um, great if it's stored digitally that you that you know how to access that file, um, or if you you know your insurance company has some sort of portal that you know how to log onto and somehow remember your password to get into. Um, Look at your coverage A. Look at the amount of insurance on your dwelling. It's usually in a bucket called coverage A. Um, and look at that number and then divide that number by the square footage of your house. So if you have, you know, $100,000 of coverage on your dwelling and you divide that by 1000 then you know you have $100 per square foot to rebuild that house. Okay, that's the simple math. Um, but in California, $100 a square foot is not going to even possibly get you a tiny house. So um, the reality is that um, that you should try to get that number that instead of having the 100000 for your coverage A for your 1,000-square-foot home, you want at least, uh, if, you can, if you can afford it, you want at least uh, like 250 to like $300 square foot, which comes as a shock to a lot of people. You know, people are like, how is that possible? Well, it is. That's just the way it is, especially because um, after wildfires, there's supply and demand. So, you know, lumber goes up and, and you know, prices go up and, and, um, and you know, your insurance is supposed to account for that. They're supposed to have figured that out. Um, but the bottom line is we tell people, try to get your dwelling insured to value and, it, it won't cost you, usually it won't cost you a lot more to adjust your coverage A up a notch, you know, another maybe 100000 or so uh, or, or more. Um, it, it's not going to change your premium that much. And so we tell people, you know, don't be penny wise and pound foolish about your insurance on your dwelling. Now, things like your stuff, you know, your contents, you know, you know stuff is stuff. I mean, it's important. But it's much more important that you have enough insurance to put that house back if it were to be burned to the ground. And the reality is two-thirds of the people that we encounter do not have enough insurance. So, so you know, we encourage people to take it. You know, you, you hear my words, right? Um, call your insurance company. Call your agent and say, hey, I heard this woman on the radio, and she says that a lot of people don't have enough insurance after wildfires. Well, they're not going to argue with you there because it's been in the news, right? Um, I don't want to be one of those people, you know, and make sure you have a piece of paper and a pen, and and you start writing. And, and, and you know, the questions to ask are, do I have enough insurance to put my house back if it were to burn to the ground? Do I have, it, do I have enough to cover improvements that the county would make me make, you know, plumbing, electric, do I have code upgrade coverage is the technical term. Um, and then if you have outbuildings, you know, are my outbuildings covered? And then how long, uh, how much temporary rent uh, coverage would I have? Because, you know, no one wants to think about the worst happening, although you can't put it out of your mind too far these days, right? There's constant reminders of the threat of wildfires. So what we say to people is, don't be penny wise and pound foolish about your insurance, because if you tell your insurance company and your agent, I just want the cheapest policy, 
I guarantee you're going to be underinsured and, and you've wasted some money because the point of paying for insurance is that it actually is, is going to put you back where you were, right? And the only way that's going to happen is if you've got enough of it. So we say, you know, carry a higher deductible, raise your deductible is the best way to keep the price down. So buy more coverage, but have a higher deductible that will, that will keep it affordable. And then shop, you know, and for a lot of people, they don't have a choice anymore. They're going to be with the fair plan, but even with the fair plan, you do have choices. And so, you know, I'd say probably one of the most important messages I want to get out there to your readers is, or your listeners, I'm sorry, um, is 15 minutes is not enough time to ensure your biggest asset, right? So spend some time, you know, be a little nerdy, you know, ask questions about your insurance write the answers down. If the insurance agent or the company tells you to make adjustments, if you can afford to make those adjustments, raise your deductible. I carry a $5,000 deductible on my home insurance in San Francisco. Why? Because I'm a consumer advocate and I know that that's going to get me the biggest bang for the buck. I'm going to get more coverage. I'm not going to put in small claims that are going to cost me more down the road than I'm going to get anyway. Um, and that's kind of that's sort of the what this what a lot of savvy you know people do. Hey, I'm gonna break in there just real quick. This is Cobb with KZYX Radio. If you just tuned in, this is the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council Radio Show. Our guest today, uh, with host director Scott Craddy, is Amy Bach the Executive Director of EUP, United Policyholders, Providers of Information for Insurance com- insurance Customers, pardon me, Amy. And I wonder, um, as we move forward, um, I have two questions. One is, if you could briefly uh, just tell what your company is again, uh, just give a really quick history again, as you did at the beginning. And then my next question is, um, associated with any disaster is clean up another category that people need to research. Thanks. Thank you. Um, so United Policyholders is a nonprofit and we are, our mission is to be a trustworthy, reliable, useful source of information, um, and a voice for consumers of all types of insurance throughout the United States. Um, and, um, and I think you had another question, um, there. Could you, yeah, uh, I was wondering or, about, um, the cleanup, you know, post right, debris removal. Yes. Debris removal. Thank you. Um, so yes, uh, people often do find themselves in rural areas, uh, a little short on debris removal as well. Um, and the, and, and in, in, uh, the trick there is it comes right back to how much you have on your dwelling because typically the amount of uh, available insurance that you will have to clean up debris after a fire is going to be tied to the amount of insurance on the home. So if the home is underinsured, you're typically going to be underinsured in your other categories, including debris removal. Now, in wildfire areas in California today, the trend is uh, that there is coordinated debris removal um, options. So some you can decide, I'm going to go on my own on my lot and clean, I'm going to hire somebody to clean up my own lot, or 
I'm going to go with the government coordinated program. Um, and each fire, the government coordinated program seems to get a little bit um, more organized and better. Um, and, and the reason, you know, the reason that it matters is, you know, um, it's often you want to get the debris removed, but you want to do it safely. And so, you know, you want the debris to be, it often has hazardous materials. So you don't want to hire, you know, Joe dump truck to who's going to like dump it off the side of the, you know, mountain or something. Right. So you need to do it safely. But again, um, it really helps to have enough um, insurance to, to pay for the, that cost. Right. And one other question, um, something you touched on in your earlier language was the FAIR program. Can you outline what that is briefly? Yeah. So um, uh, in California, we have something called the California FAIR plan, and it's basically an insurer of last resort. So if you cannot find a company in the private market that wants to insure your home, you can go to the fair plan. And as long as, um, you know, your house isn't made of matchsticks, um, you know, generally they're going to, they're going to sell you a policy. Um, and, and, um, and it's a program that was set up in the sixties. Um, I doubt it would get set up today. Um, but it was really, it was set up, um, for, uh, inner city areas in LA where people were getting, um, redlined by insurers and they couldn't insure their properties. And so the state created this forced pool of insurance companies. And now it's the uh, it's a godsend to, to people in rural areas. It's not perfect. You know, you pay a pretty penny for what you get, but it will satisfy your loan requirements. And if you shop carefully um, and you can you can get adequate coverage, it's basic, um, but it is it is um, it's a, it's a huge help to people. Yep. And just uh, jump in there. So uh, thank you. Um, in just a few minutes, we're going to pivot and uh, do the second half of the show with Assemblymember Jim Woods. So we're going to kind of come wrap wrap up with Amy. Um, I on first want to say, again, in case people didn't get it, uh, their website is just a treasure trove of information. So write down uphelp.org. And for example, on the topic we were just talking about, there's a great article on the lowdown on the California Fair Plan uh, that goes through bit by bit with considerations and things you should think about and consider with all the different options with that plan uh, if that's where you end up going. So there's a great sort of step-by-step guide because there's a lot of different options and details that can come into play there. Um, What I'd like to touch on uh, before, well, in, in addition to giving you a, a chance for any kind of last minute comments that you want to make, Amy, is um, just kind of another important message I've heard before is for people who do get a cancellation notice, uh, just sort of what the right frame of mind is to be in there. As I understand, you know, the agents, the, the, the world out there changes uh, from week to week and an insurance company that's canceling people one week may be accepting them the next week. Uh, so that you know, there's the, the approaches that people need to do a lot of work and be patient and make a lot of calls. And could could you just give us a little bit about, you know, if you get that cancellation notice, what's what's the approach to take? Yeah, well, you've got a great guest coming up because he's actually been a big, uh, big help to homeowners on wildfire issues in the legislature. Um, so that's great. Um, you know, uh, the, the reality is um, that you'll, you know, if you do get that non-renewal notice, um, you're going to you're going to want um, that full 75 days to shop. And you're going to so you, you know, don't panic. 
Um, you know, people tend to get very emotional. How can State Farm break up with me? You know, we've been we've been together for you know thirty years, and it's just like get over that, okay? <laughs> Move on and and start shopping because um, you know when I did a webinar in uh, the fall of twenty twenty with. Um, an agent who works part-time for the fair plan and, 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 and you know the, the message was clearer then that you know you, it's changing all the time like that that um and you can go into the fair plan but you can get out as soon as you as soon as you find an alternative right so start shopping um and and don't just talk to one agent you know talk to like Three, because you might get a different story from each of them, depending on the relationships that that agent has. So if you go to an agent, a farmer's agent, they want to keep you even if farmers doesn't want you. So they they may try to put you with somebody that they can. You want to you want to talk to the agent. Um, that has multiple relationships. So like an independent agent is going to be your best bet. No hit on farmers, but their agents can generally only sell a farmer's product, right? If you go to what's called an independent agent, they have a whole, um, typically they're going to have like five, six or seven or more um, insurers with whom they have relationships with. So the situation is dynamic um, and, and it, is, it is changing. You know, one week I hear, oh, State Farm's holding on to a lot of people. And then the next week I hear, um, you know, that that um, people were getting non-renewed. So don't go on rumors. Do your own research. Use our website. That's what it's there for. Um, and um, and just put the time in and you will find coverage somehow. Um, and if you and if it's not um, the price point that that you feel comfortable with, uh, you know, keep shopping. Um, and if you have to if you have to sacrifice some coverage, don't sacrifice the dwelling coverage. You know, you could sacrifice, you know, reduce your contents coverage or reduce your other structures. Or like I said, raise your deductible, but, but try to keep an eye on, um, on, on ensuring your dwelling adequately. And then the last thing is do that inventory. You know, you have a smartphone, take your smartphone, walk around your house inside and out dictating. Now here's the bedroom set that my grandma, you know, handed down, but it's an antique. You know, here's the outside of my house. We replaced our roof last year. Or here's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then take that file, take that video file and put it somewhere safe. Send it to somebody that you trust um, or or put it uh, in, a, in a folder where you'll be able to find it. And then if, God forbid, you do have a fire, you don't have to go through that extremely painful process of trying to reconstruct your list. But I hope your listeners never have to be there. Um, but it's great that you're bringing them all this good information. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. That was great. Great content. Appreciate you have being with us today. Um, My pleasure. Cop, do you need to do an ID before we start with uh, segment two? Uh, let's keep on moving. But yeah, you're tuned to KZYX Radio. This is the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council radio show. If you just tuned in, uh, we were just interviewing. Our last guest was uh, Amy Bach of the United Policyholders. I believe that website, again, before you go, Amy, just tell them the sure. website. Up Thank you. Uphelp.org. There you go. And take it from there, Scott. Okay. Um, we are pleased to have with us Assembly Member Jim Wood today uh, for the second part of our show. And, um, you know, as Amy pointed out, um, and as I've seen myself, Jim has been Jim has been in the forefront of working to improve legislation around a lot of aspects of wildfire readiness. So I just want to 
stop start by asking him you know, what his personal connection is there why why that's so front and center in, in the work he's been doing well first of all thank you very much for the opportunity to be here and it's good to see amy on, on the screen here although this is radio so nobody can see anything in your in your listeners world out there but but uh you know i think for me uh what got me uh interested in this was this was my district uh santa rosa the area that i represent uh the northern part of santa rosa was devastated by the tubs fire uh redwood valley uh, that area was devastated uh, at the same time. Uh, and, uh, you know, you don't go into this job, you know, you go into this job expecting that you're going to focus on certain things and then then life gets uh, uh, in the way and changes the course of what you do. And so a great deal of work we've been doing in recent years has been on wildfire prevention and preparedness and also trying to deal with some of those thorny insurance issues that Amy was talking about. And uh, uh, I just want to say before we go on here, I want to I want to plug her again for her expertise. But that last message she had, it, you know, I can't, you know, it take you five minutes to walk around your house and take a video of your house. It could be the most important five minutes of your life uh, as you deal with an insurance company if you hopefully never have to do it. But I did it in my own business. You know, I had a good friend who lost his uh, lost his practice in a fire and uh, he, he said he was underinsured. And so I went around in every room in my business. I photographed. I I put it all on a disc in those days and put it in my safe deposit box and I updated it every year. And it's a simple thing, but if you're trying to reconstruct your life for an insurance company under all the stress that you've already experienced, you won't be able to do it. You'll forget something. And picture is worth a thousand words. And in this case, pictures may be worth thousands and thousands of dollars. Great. Thank you. Um, but before we take a plunge into what's coming up on the legislative horizon, um, I wanted to give you a chance to sort of catch us up with what's been accomplished recently. Um, if you could just uh, spend a little while talking about what, what you've been involved in the last couple of years and, and maybe two sides of the coin. You know, what, are the, what are the things that were achieved that you think are the most important and what are the things that didn't quite happen yet that uh, for some reason that, that we need to focus on? Well, it's a great. Thank you. And thank you very much. Um, you know, go back to, uh, oh, back in 2018, there was a bill, uh, was Senate Bill 901. There was a special committee that was created to, to, to do this bill that um, was kind of a response to um, what happened uh, with the, the major fires in, in 2017. And through that, working with my uh, Republican colleague, uh, then Assemblymember Brian Dolly to the east, uh, the two of us uh, put together what we called ultimately was called the Dollywood plan. Uh, and uh, and what it was, was uh, taking uh, asking for a billion dollars and getting a billion dollars uh, over a five year period for uh, forest health and fire resilience. And so so that was a big deal. Um, and where we got it from was a big deal because we got it from the Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund and we forced people to think about things differently. If we're going to try to reduce greenhouse gases, we need to recognize that forest fires and these wildfires are big emitters of carbon. And so um, that was a big that was a big thing because uh, most of the the uh, air California Air Resources Board focus on, on on you know automobile pollution and other kinds of things. And and so to make that change was was a really, really big deal. And it came in part due to a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Governor Brown, 
who said, he said, explain to me your, your rationale here. And I laid it out and he said, you know, that makes sense. And uh, he endorsed the plan, actually gave us, a, a, we weren't quite at the level of that $1 billion, but with what he was able to, you know, push forward, it would end up being a billion dollars over five years. Um, fast forward, you know, we worked on a bill, AB 38, which creates the created the first ever statewide home hardening program. And funding uh, has had been a challenge for that, but funding is uh, went out the door this year for that. And uh, and we're hopeful that uh, with the revision of the budget in May uh, coming up on Friday, there will be additional funding there. Um, we are working on something this year uh, that, um, uh, well, it's not in the past, is is well, it's certainly something we're we're focusing on, and that's. Basically, uh, support for regional uh, regional specific planning, uh, looking at local expertise, uh, recognizing that this state, as big and diverse as it is, uh, needs to be looked at on a regional basis. You know what we experience in Mendocino County is not what you experience in you know San Bernardino County or Ventura County or or whatever. The the topography is different. And so the idea that we can create local experts to draw down resources to work on projects uh, with their own local expertise uh, is not typically the way state does things. We're sort of a one-size-fits-all approach to a lot of things, and that usually means our rural counties suffer. And so so we're working closely on that one this year and hope that we will uh, get additional resources for that. And then we did, you know, looking at the insurance part of it, you know, with uh, with the fair plan, um, we tried to we, we, we did a bill um, that uh, creates a one of the things creates a little insurance finder tool. Believe it or not, the big guys out there who you, you know, many people are insured by um, as they let they let they let customers go. Uh, there are there's a there's hundreds of companies out there in the marketplace. And so. So could we not figure out a way to those people that are on the fair plan to link up with maybe a smaller company uh, that can still provide resources or, you know, provide insurance for someone at a, at a competitive rate. And so the idea was to try to connect those consumers who are now on the fair plan with other providers out there who, who were, who were not. And I think that was, um, you know, that's, that's kind of a step in the right direction. Um, but those are the things we have been working on. Um, do you ask you, you asked about disappointing things or things we haven't been able to get across the line. Um, <laughs> Well, before before we move there, actually, just let me step back and ground a couple of those because I think yeah. uh, the um, I believe I I could be wrong about this, but I believe that you know the Dollywood uh, package that you mentioned, you know, is what ultimately is funding the community chipper days that are happening in Mendocino County this year. Um, so it's an opportunity for people to have uh, to do a bunch of clearing and not burn that carbon, uh, but um, you know, have have it chipped and preserved, and uh, you know, so a concrete example. If you if you if you wonder if pol- politics has concrete uh, concrete benefits in the world, uh, you know, one of those benefits is that you can go to chipperday.com backslash Mendocino right now um, and get yourself signed up for a day. That's a direct benefit from from that program. Um, similarly, just wanted to point out on the home hardening thing. Um, uh, we, uh, the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council and the County of Mendocino uh, had outreach from the people who were organizing that program literally last week uh, and had the opportunity to spend time with them, uh, you know, giving advice about how to put it together in a way that will work for Mendocino uh, and some of our more rural locations. So, again, you know, benefits that are working their way down the line. Um, 
So anyway, with that, um, yeah, if we could turn it back to you and you could uh, tell us a little bit about the things that you um, wanted to have happen and are still trying to figure out how to have happen. Well, thanks. And I, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead just for a second and backtrack a little and, and plug your pro, your chipper program. Uh, Emily, who works in my office in in, in Ukiah, uh, she she took advantage of that this last weekend, and she said it was fabulous and and it worked it worked really really well for her. And I encourage people to sign up for that. It's uh, she said it couldn't have been couldn't have been uh, more seamless, and they got a lot of a lot of work done that they probably would not have been able to get done otherwise. And so, so that, uh, that, that, that program is, is awesome. And, um, and, and more power to you. If we could get, if we could find a way to get you two or three more chippers, uh, um, who knows, who knows what you might be able to accomplish, but, uh, but thank you uh, for your efforts on that. And, and that's the kind of thing that we want to see happen, you know, statewide. We want to, you know, people recognize what's, what the needs are in their, uh, in their area and then uh, go after it and uh and make it work for them and uh and so i applaud your your work on that it's been it's been fabulous and uh um and i hope more people take advantage of it you know you know as you as you accomplish things in this business um i don't think people ever really realize how difficult it is to get a bill across the line uh and get it actually signed by the governor everybody um well we'll use a everybody chips away at it and you know what started out as a really good idea sometimes uh, <laughs> uh, it ends up uh, uh, being uh, whittled down uh, to uh, you know maybe it's maybe you still have the concept there but but uh, everybody takes a bite out of the apple and hopefully at the end of the day you get uh, something accomplished but there are things that are really hard and intractable almost um, but one of the biggest disappointments to me is and that's just because of the the diverse nature of the state is that there isn't more focus and urgency on prevention. Um, and um, I don't know how much more we have to have happen for people to get the message that you can protect your property and you, you, um, you, you can prevent the loss of your property if you do this right. Um, and it's not a guarantee, but you give yourself a much bigger, bigger chance. And so, um, so I don't know what you do, um, but I do know this, that um, one of the big challenges for us is that in Northern California, we're pretty far away from LA and, uh, uh, and that area. And uh, that's where the control of a lot of resources are. You know, 27 members of the state assembly are, are from Los Angeles. And uh, so I got to figure out a way to entice them to vote on bills that they may not ordinarily want to vote on because they don't see it as affecting them. This last year was different. Uh, a lot more fire uh, throughout the state, a lot more smoke. Uh, and I think there is a, rea- a sort of a, a reality uh, that's setting in that this is a bigger problem. We need to pay attention to it. Um, you know, we uh, we still need significant help on the on the. Uh, homeowners insurance availability and that's really frustrating but you know because of prop 103 that was passed in 1988 there's not a lot we can do in that space it's really difficult to change change a voter a voter uh, approved uh, proposition you got to go back to the voters and um, and uh, that's a that's a huge huge challenge for us and then uh, I think the other one which is a big problem for us uh, that we wish to do more of is prescribed fire um, especially in Northern California, 
it's so difficult to do a prescribed fire project uh, between the, the analysis with CEQA, uh, all of the permits you have to get, the very limited time scopes that you can actually do these burns. And then um, the other big challenge is insurance. You know, how do you insure uh, for that in case the fire the fire um, creates some damage out there? And so, uh, you know, it could take a year more planning to do a 50 acre prescribed burn. And at that rate, we're never going to do what we need to do. And so um, I, I'm looking forward to learning more from our uh, uh, our tribal tribal partners up in the north. The Karuk have done a fabulous job, and actually are training uh, people in this space. And uh, plan to visit. I plan to visit them uh, this uh, this summer and 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 learn more about their work. And uh, you know, those are the disappointments that we have. And you know, but at the end of the day, you just keep fighting and keep pushing, and uh, you chip away at it. Um, here I go. I'm sorry. You, you start started with wood chippers. Now I can't stop thinking about things like that. But I keep pushing and, and hoping we'll be successful. Assemblymember Wood, uh, this is Cobb in the KZWAC studio. Um, thanks for the puns intended i hope but i'm wondering if you can update our listeners who maybe are unfamiliar you mentioned uh what was it prop 103 in 1988 as being somewhat of a barrier regarding insurance could you just give us a quick uh what that is for people who may not know anything about it well uh you know I think Prop 103 came along, and, and I, I, I now you've caught me, and I, I should have had more coffee probably, but uh, you know, basically around property taxes and uh, uh, the, your inability to, you can only raise property taxes at a certain rate every year. Uh, but it's also tied, there's also, I believe there's also ties to auto insurance, other kinds of insurance. The challenge, the challenge being that uh, insurance is really regulated in this state. And so uh, it really is going to take some and reform on the proposition level that to give us um, an opportunity. Prop 13 was a property tax one. I'm sorry. Prop, 13, Prop 103 is the is more related to bigger insurance reforms. And it makes it makes rate changes and and flexibility really, really difficult. And um, you know how we how we how we amend that or change that. I don't know, um, but you know a lot of you know a lot of these issues really um, are in the hands of the insurance commissioner. And um, you know, I would welcome more engagement, quite frankly. And I have one question linked to that, um, and maybe you and our director at the Fire Safe Council could speak to it. But I'm just curious. Uh, about the power when it comes to insurance down the road of, you know, neighborhood collective action, such as been, you know, what Fire Safe Council's done. And regarding homeowners insurance, it used to be a thing, I believe it was at a national level that Granges offered homeowners insurance, and that got canceled a number of years ago. I know a lot of people in Anderson Valley were members of the Grange system in particular for that insurance access. But moving forward, what's going to be the benefits of, you know, neighbors getting together to maybe get like a group insurance plan? Is that anything that can gain traction or that you or the director have any knowledge about? Well, that's a, that's an interesting concept, and 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 I think that's absolutely worth exploring. You know, sometimes what's what's old is new again, and maybe we're at a point where we need to go back and look at that. I think one of the things that I find have found frustrating about the insurance industry 
is that um, you know you could you you as the homeowner could actually do everything right and protect your home and and you you, you see no really don't see much benefit uh, even if you could even lose your insurance because they decide to cancel an entire zip code and you're also uh, susceptible to what your neighbors may or may not have done and so that creates another another challenge for you but what if a group of neighbors all got together and made their homes as fire safe as possible and did all the home hardening things that we like to do um, and then then approached an insurance company about about that okay here we are we're kind of a model little group of people will you insure us and maybe that's another approach that that we haven't we haven't tried uh um but i i i like i like i like that idea and, I, and i'll go back and research that but i think it has been frustrating that you could actually do everything you want everything right in your home and still find that your policy gets canceled because you live in a zip code and that's what the company uh, the company has decided they're going to do there are some small inroads in that direction. Uh, I mean, this is Scott. I know that's one of the things that Amy's working on. And I know the California Fire Safe Council uh, at that level is working on trying to um, find some way to systematize at least discounts that come with certain levels of preparedness. And the, the only thing that I know that's in place like that at the moment is... Um, you know, we have uh, fire safe councils at the county level uh, that are fairly flexible and open organizations, and it's a low bar. We've got some that do a little and some that do a tremendous lot. And then there's these, the national FireWise certification that your, uh, your community or group can go ahead and get. And if you become a FireWise community, there are some standards around that, uh, and there are at least some insurers that will provide uh, a discount based on you know your your area being part of a firewise community um so you know that's just a, a step in the direction that we need to go yeah. um, but wouldn't it be nice if you know if a community did everything right and could then approach it on a larger scale and and, and everybody everybody benefits from that um yeah. in the long run something Great. i'm familiar with and i was kind of hoping it looks like we might have amy with us and maybe not um and if she can speak to this concept as well it'd be great but i know that uh at least fun to listen to assembly member <laughs> yeah well well something that exists that's sort of like that i know I, and i'm not very well informed but it's something i believe called an iso rating I know that through our local fire department, they strive to keep the resource availability as far as water trucks, fire response times, uh, where our fire stations are located um, strategically because it, it affects something called an ISO rating. And if that number's at such a level, uh, homeowners get certain rates or certain discounts on their insurance or certain coverage eligibilities and if any of you can speak to that concept and how it might relate uh thanks so i think what you're talking about maybe is something called the fireline score um which is something that i don't know maybe five six years ago a private company developed a model um kind of like a credit score you know where they would uh put a house, get, assign a score to a house based on its, um, uh, see, slope, meaning, you know, the, the whether it's on a, a steep area, uh, fuels, which is, you know, how much foliage is there around it, 
um, and access. How easy would it be for a fire truck to get there? So slope fuels access. That's what went into the model. And this private company sold it to a bunch of insurance companies. And suddenly, out of nowhere, uh, people were getting this number slapped on their house and it was affecting their insurance. So like when we, when United Policyholders would do surveys, we do surveys of homeowners and, and asked, well, what was the reason you were given for why your insurance company was non-renewing you, dropping you? They, we got a lot of answers back. Our fire line score was too high. Okay, so it turns out that this scoring system and ISO has something to do with it. But the main thing for people, that's one of the things I think the legislature is um, will probably take take up again is um, is to give people the ability to at least see their score, just like you have the right to see your credit score and know um, what's in it. In fact, I think Assemblymember Wood and I, we, we've talked about this because it's one of these things where it turns out when the insurer slaps this number on you, it really affects you financially, just like your credit score does. It affects, you know, it affects how much you're going to pay for your insurance. So at the very least, we want people to be able to make sure there's no errors in their score. Um, and then in our effort to try to get more insurers to, um, to, to come back or to take more customers in the state, um, we are trying to, we, we are a little bit focused on getting them to um, broaden the, the um, or raise the, the fireline score number that they will accept. Because right now, insurers are being very conservative. This is a new tool that they got. And they've been really using it. Um, and we're trying to say, okay, if you won't take somebody who has a fireline score above a five and it goes from one to 30, could we get, you, what, what would it take to get you to take somebody up to a 10, for example? You know, it's just another thing that um, those of us who are trying to help solve these problems are exploring. Um, could we make fireline scoring more transparent um, and more and maybe more accurate? And also, can we get insurers to, um, uh, to be more uh, uh, open-minded about uh, taking customers that are above a five, for example, because they have been taking a very um, narrow view ever since the scoring system came into place. Yeah, and I would just add, I think that, you know, the idea that, you know, the fact that there really isn't much transparency around these numbers, they they, they, they kind of use them internally and I think uh, decide, okay, you're, you're out. You know, what if you had what if you knew what that number was and what if you as a community or a homeowner could actually do things to improve? Give us give, give the give the homeowner a chance, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can improve your FICO score for crying out loud. Why can't you improve your fire score? Um, you know, you, you can't pick up your home and move it somewhere, uh, you know, in most cases. Uh, but um, but you ought to be able to make changes to um, to your property that make it more fire safe. And shouldn't you be? at least have the opportunity, not necessarily even be rewarded, but just given the opportunity to buy a product that everyone else can buy. And uh, it just, it just seems, it just seems the way the system is right now is uh, there's a lot of bean counters somewhere and they're all assessing risk, um, but they're not really looking at the, at the individual homeowner. Uh, it's much easier to do this on a broader, uh, broader base. And that's, that's frustrating. Very true. Yeah. Our message to insurers has been, can you partner with your customers? Don't just punish them. Great. Um, so we are kind of coming to the end of the time here, and a couple of things I want to get in. Um, Assemblymember Wood, first of all, I'd like to 
sort of uh, see what you think people should be doing to help things along out there. If there are any particular legislation that you think people should be paying attention to and supporting. I know there's a bunch like the um, insurance standards for prescribed burns, I think is going to be in, in play this year. Uh, and then if we have time, I'd like to close with a little bit of good news and just give you a moment to uh, talk about the, the good stuff that's in the budget this year. Um, but uh, first of all, yeah, what, what can people be doing to, to help help row in the right direction now? Well, and, I, I would hope, you know, take you know, get a chance. And I know it's technical and not easy, but we can if you call our office. We'll give you a fact sheet. Our, our AB9, I think, is a really, uh, really important piece of legislation. We've been working on it for months now. Um, it's kind of uh, we're taking what we learned from AB 38 and, and applying it to AB 9. And my legislative director, uh, Paul uh, Ramey in the office, has become one of the experts in the building on these issues. And uh, he didn't certainly didn't plan it that way. Uh, this, these are the cards we were all dealt. And, uh, um, you know, we're, we're constantly looking for uh, more regional approaches to to uh, to these kinds of issues. You're absolutely right. The insurance battle is uh, or the uh, the. Uh, uh, insurance uh, for for prescribed burn battle is, is going to be a big deal. Changing that liability standard uh, is going to be fought heavily by uh, trial attorneys, quite frankly. Uh, and uh, and and that uh, that that one that one change uh, from uh, you know, for, to uh, away from, to the more of a gross negligence standard uh, would open up fire, you know, a, a lot of prescribed fire in the state. And I think that's a really, really big step in the right direction. If we're actually going to be committed to prescribed burn, if we're not, then let's throw up our hands and say, we're really not committed to that. We're never going down that path. And, um, but don't, you know, some of these barriers I think are, are, artificial quite frankly so but let you know uh, so those are the things and i apologize there's trucks and stuff working around my place today here so in the capital so so let's talk about some of the good things that are coming and i know because i know we have a limited amount of time there was early action uh, on the budget on the 13th of last month um that was making up for the tough budget that we had last year and and in that was 536 million dollars total that's a pretty pretty big number 155 million of that went to forest uh, restoration and fuel reduction 123 million dollars went to fire breaks and community protection work uh, 25 million went to home hardening which is important to me. That's, that's part of my ab38 from a couple years ago um, we'll be looking significantly at the May revised which will be coming out on friday uh, which actually will will be the, setting the stage for the 21 22 year coming up and so um so my hope is that uh, there'll be more money there um you know we need to you know continue focusing on home preparedness um, and a variety of, uh, of other other things out there. But um, it, right now, it's good money. It's good news. Um, that $25 million for AB38 will hopefully allow us to pull down another $75 million from the federal government, which would be $100 million. And that was in the early action. We're hoping we get more of that to be able to do that in the, in, in the future. But right now, it's really all about the budget until Friday. And so we see what's coming out. And then that budget, uh, because there was so much uh, at play this year, the budget negotiations and things, well, we will pass a budget on June 15th, which will be kind of the bare bones, how we operate in California. Because of the huge amount of resources that are now available to the state, we expect the budget negotiations to continue well into August. 
uh, and uh, as we as we figure out how we how we apply these resources. And a lot of this should go towards, in my mind, prevention, uh, fire prevention, and preparedness. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time with us. I think we're at our final couple of seconds here. Um, I don't know, Cobb, do we have time for any wrap or should we? We should probably tuck it in here. Uh, coming right up, everybody. You're tuned to KZ Wax and Loose Cannon Classics is coming right up. Thanks so much for being here, uh, Director Scott Craddy and Assembly Member Jim Wood. Um, in addition to Everybody knowing that website for insurance research, uphelp.org. I wonder if, uh, Jim, what if you can give out any websites or a phone number for people to contact in just a couple seconds with their questions? We have a district office in, in uh, Ukiah. Um, I can't remember the phone number because it's in my, it's in my phone. <laughs> but, All right, uh, that's fine. We have- we have we have a capital office. We have three district offices: uh, Santa Rosa, Ukiah, Facebook. We put a lot of things on Facebook. Uh, follow me on Instagram. I have a I put things on Instagram, photos, things all the time, and then I'm also on Twitter. So, uh, but our staff, our local staff, is available to help anybody anytime. All right, thanks everyone, and that'll do it for Mendocino County Fire Safe Council Radio on KZYX. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolitz and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.